to the Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in a year. Today is day number 257, and we begin chapter 3 with number 1949. Called to beatitude, but wounded by sin, man stands in need of salvation from God. Divine help comes to him in Christ through the law that guides him and the grace that sustains him. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The moral law is the work of divine wisdom. Its biblical meaning can be defined as fatherly instruction, God's pedagogy. It describes for man the ways, the rules of conduct that lead to the promised beatitude. It prescribes the ways of evil which turn him away from God and his love. It is at once firm in its precepts and and its promises, worthy of love. Law is a rule of conduct enacted by competent authority for the sake of the common good. The moral law presupposes the rational order, established among creatures for their good, for their good and to serve their final end, by the power, wisdom, and goodness of the Creator. All law finds its first and ultimate truth in the eternal law. Law is declared and established by reason as a participation in the providence of the living God, creator and redeemer of all. Such an ordinance of reason is what one calls law. Alone among all animate beings, man can boast of having been counted worthy to receive a law from God as an animal endowed with reason, capable of understanding and discernment. He is to govern his conduct by using his freedom and reason in obedience to the one who has entrusted everything to him. There are different expressions of the moral law, all of them interrelated. Eternal law, the source, in God of all law, natural law, revealed law, compromising the old law, and the new law, or law of the gospel. Finally, civil and ecclesiastical laws. The moral law finds its fullness and its unity in Christ. Jesus Christ is in person, is in person the way of perfection. He is the end of the law, for only he teaches and bestows the justice of God. For Christ is the end of the law, that every one who has faith may be justified. Father Jack. Thanks. <clears throat> Thanks, Bill. You know, uh, law is kind of one of these terms that we uh, use often, but that we sometimes overlook. Um, because for probably for a variety of reasons. One, um, it's probably become a bit of a loaded term these days, but two, it also um, has a sense even within Christianity, in part because of uh, Paul's writing, that the law is kind of almost unnecessary, right? Or, you know, we were under the law, but now we're under grace, Paul says. And so um, we think of the law as kind of, um, an, you know, kind of an old way of thinking, right? Now we live in grace, right? But but we know from Paul and uh, from experience, from the way the church has always taught her, uh, taught her, her children, that uh, the law is not something that is completely rejected, right? But but rather it's something that is fulfilled in Christ. And so we look to um, look how the Catechism speaks about law, and just for the uh, sake of clarity, right, and, and to be able to understand kind of all all things is. In, in the right order, we start with um, in, in 1951, this great 
and a definition of what a law is, which is a rule of conduct enacted by competent authority for the sake of the common good. So, you know, by its nature, law has these qualities, right? It is, you know, I'll start with this uh, understanding of competent authority, right? Which, what does that mean? It means that uh, we cannot tell someone who is above us. Like, I cannot tell Cardinal Gregory how to live his life, right? I can't give him a rule of conduct. Why? Because I'm not in authority over him, right? In fact, it's the opposite. He has the, the right and the duty, uh, and if we're honest with ourselves, to give a good rule of conduct uh, for the sake of the common good. And so, um, one, we see that, uh, you know, in those other kind of clauses, that it's a rule of conduct. He can't have a law about anything, right? Um, you know, Cardinal Gregory can't, under obedience, tell me what my favorite color is. Not something I might let him tell me because I don't really have one. But, um, but you know, he can't say, you know, everything about what I'm supposed to do, right? That's not, it's not a law. It's just an abuse. But the last part, the last quality is the other end of law, which we can see both in terms of ecclesiastical but also civil law, which is that it has to be for the sake of the common good. Uh, you cannot have, a, a, you know, a, a, no government, no person can establish a law that uh, is immoral or would be detrimental to the common good. And, um, you know, which is why we have, you know, delineated or demarked in our Bill of Rights certain certain rights, um, the inalienable rights, right, that that cannot be taken away and cannot really be talked about except for as a participation in the ultimate law. And there's a really, this is where the importance of understanding where law comes from, right? And, um, you know, there, uh, when it comes to morality, it comes to the individual understanding of how I am to live my life and how I should live my life within society. Um, the catechism marks out basically uh, four uh, four levels of law, and it, it kind of slowly moves its way down. The first is the the highest of all is the eternal law. This is this is this is the one that comes from God. It does not change. It, there's nothing that could possibly move it. God has spoken it into being, and then uh, keeps it in in place. Um, but it also always points back to Him. Uh, the next level is kind of the one down is natural law, and all of rational man. Uh, it can participate in natural law. Um, we need to be careful because oftentimes even academics will talk about it as if it is a law of nature, but it's actually just our understanding of what the eternal law is, uh, even uh, without any help of revelation. Every man can rationally get to certain moral conduct without revelation. Um, what kind of things are those things like murder? Right? I mean, natural law is a very complex um, uh, topic and very beautiful in its own way, but something that we won't be able to talk about uh, today, but uh, soon down the road. The next is revealed law, which is the old law and the new law. So both the things like the Ten Commandments, but also the new law of the gospel, right? These are revealed by God and its fullness of which is in Jesus Christ, the, um, the Catechism today calls uh, in person, the way of perfection. And then the last is civil and ecclesiastical laws. So both the church and the state have a duty to 
understand their role as participating in the eternal law, promoting the exact same common good that that God himself has defined. And so we look to that as we should also see that as well, as when we talk about how we're to conduct ourselves in church or how we're to vote or whatever it may be, that we have this same understanding of what the law is. I think it's a, it's always a threat um, when, when dealing with fallen man that, that will uh, move a little too far away from that service of the common good. But we know that we have a duty to always direct things back to the source of all that is good, which is God. And so when we look to how we are to conduct ourselves, we look uh, to how each of these play in the, both the civil and ecclesiastical law, revealed law, and even natural law play into and come from that eternal law, which is God's way of saying, this is how you have both left me and how you will come back to me. And so let's rejoice that God has not abandoned us today.